MailChimp presents. Ever heard of a customer? You know, it's when marketers group all their customers, regardless of their different behaviors, into one big mess. But with MailChimp, you can use real-time behavior data to personalize emails for every customer based on their browsing and buying behavior, turning your customers into customers. Intuit MailChimp, the number one email marketing and automations brand. Based on competitor brands' publicly available data on worldwide numbers of customers in 2021 and 2022. Availability of features and functionality vary by plan, which are subject to change. Hello, friend. I'm Paul Jarvis, and you're listening to Call Paul. I'm the author of the book Company of One and the co-founder of Fathom Analytics, a small privacy-focused analytics company. One of the main reasons a lot of us start working for ourselves is that we are then able to make up the rules. But sometimes success or time or other people make us forget this and we end up a little further from where we started than we'd like to be. In this season, we're talking to small business owners who remembered, or maybe never forgot, that they can give themselves permission to run and shape their companies in a way completely unique to their vision and their own definition of success. These businesses we call up are examples of companies who do the right thing and do well financially. And I know from experience that those two things don't have to be in opposition. They can, in fact, be complementary in the long term. People are like, why are you doing like up in your room at 11 o'clock at night recording yourself? And I was like, if you knew with 100% certainty, if you did X, Y, Z, you could have the life you always dreamed of. Would you do it or would you sit there? And I just became so dang sure that I trusted myself to get to my vision and I knew nothing was going to stop me. That's Kat Norton, or as millions of her followers on TikTok know her as, Miss Excel. Kat has taught students at some of the biggest companies in the world how to use spreadsheets better and more efficiently by combining her nerdy smarts with energetic dancing and motivational speaking. I would describe my business, it's mainly a course sales business. So I'd say like 85, 90% of what I do is passive income, course sales. I make them once and then I just scale them, grow them. And then I also do corporate training. So companies bring me in to teach Excel. Those are more of my high ticket items. And then I also do bulk orders of my courses as well as motivational speaking now. So it sounds like you do a lot of different things. Is there a word that you, I guess, gravitate towards in terms of describing yourself in the business that you do? I would say entrepreneur. So I got that spirit going on where I'm just constantly innovating, changing, growing. I'm always on my toes, adapting. So I'd say entrepreneur. I'm curious what your plans were in terms of your career before Miss Excel happened. Like, What was the trajectory before it changed to what it is now? I went to Binghamton University. 
University in upstate New York, got my MBA from there as well. And straight out of school, I started working at a consulting firm doing securitization reviews for banks. On the side of my day job, I had built out an Excel training program internally for the company because something I'd always loved to do and was more of a passion project. And I then went on to reach the manager role there. And I was kind of just going through the motions of going up the corporate ladder at a consulting firm. And then everything changed. Yeah. <laughs> I'm curious, before you started to sell the, the courses that you sell, was there anything that you were worried about or, or struggled with before you like put them out into the world and started to promote them? Honestly, not really. It was very interesting because I just started this whole thing for fun. It was something I was super passionate about. I loved helping people. I loved being creative, dancing, Excel. So the whole creation of the social media aspect, I was like, this is just a passion project. And then a few months in, it grew really quickly. And I was like, okay, what is the best modality for me to be able to help more people on a more deeper level than a 15 second TikTok? And that's really where courses came into play. I hadn't really gotten myself into a mindset where I'm like, oh, it's saturated this, that. I was like, this is what I'm put on the planet to do. This is the value I can deliver. And I'm going to make this the coolest course ever. So I just took two weeks off from my day job, went in, filmed in a hundred video course, edited every single video myself, putting in all the creativity and educational spins. And then I launched it come November of 2020. So it was Black Friday was my first sale. And then by January, two months later, it was outperforming my day job in monthly revenue. And that's where I was like, okay, I need to kind of reevaluate my life because the day job was getting like 40, 50 hours a week. Do you think that helped where it wasn't like you did? I guess there wasn't that pressure, right? Of like, this has to work or else I might be in trouble? Like, do you think that helped? Oh, a hundred percent. Everything is really the energetics. So when you go into things with the energetics of abundance and just everything is open doors for me and just showing up in that way, I did a lot of inner work on myself before I made the business, which I highly recommend if anyone is looking to put themselves out there on the internet, because there are mean people online sometimes. And really just going inward and clearing out my limiting beliefs before starting the business helped it take off really quickly because I wasn't standing in my own way. Yeah, that makes sense as somebody who was on the internet and is no longer on the internet. I can attest to the meanness of the internet. <laughs> what? So what do you, by inner work, what, what are you talking about here? Like what, what are some of the, the things that you did there to be able to deal what I did first was I went down essentially a whole spiritual journey, started the pandemic, March of 2020. I had stopped traveling for my day job and found myself back in my childhood bedroom of my parents' house. And there's some time for deep reflection when you're in said position. And I really was trying to figure out what's my purpose, what lights me up, what actually makes me happy. I remember like years earlier crying to my boyfriend being like, I don't know what my hobbies are. Like, I don't know what I'm truly passionate about. I was just like, I like to work. I like to get things done. It wasn't like, you know, I was like, what was my hobby? So I really took time to go inward through meditation. I did a program to essentially reprogram my limiting beliefs. So I was doing these guided meditations where essentially memories from your childhood pop up and you learn how to 
reprogram those and view them in another lens. So they're no longer affecting your current day to day. Cause I was essentially operating out of this lens developed from childhood that I was not worth it, that I was not worth being on the stage. I was not worthy of attention. I was not worthy of making money. And I had this lens around me that I needed to kind of crack through and open up to be able to show up fully authentically as myself online. And then the whole thing translated into my business. Sounds sounds really similar to therapy, to like the therapy work that I've done. Yes. Um, that's interesting. Like it seems pretty common, right? Like where people have these self-limiting beliefs. And I don't think people, even if they do similar work, get over them or are able to, like you said, to move past them. Is there anything that you can specifically put your finger on? Was there like a breakthrough moment where you're like, oh, geez, like this is like this is the thing that I need to like jump over, move past, push aside kind of thing? Oh yeah. There were, I mean, so many different memories from my childhood. For example, kindergarten, I wrote in my yearbook that I wanted to be a rock star. So ages zero to seven, we don't have critical thinking skills yet. So everything that happens in that range is kind of more dramatic. And then in first grade, I tried singing in front of my parents with the toy microphone and my mother, bless her heart, because she's absolutely correct. It's like, Kathleen, you're great at a lot of things, but you can't sing. Little me took that as you are not worthy of being on the stage. So then fast forward, now we're in middle school. And what happens is throughout your life, you're going to keep calling in events that confirm that limiting belief because your mind wants to be right. So next thing you know, I'm in middle school. And what group of friends do I change to? The drama cadets. Further affirming that they're always on the stage and I'm always in the audience as the untalented friend in the group. And then it turns more into an anxiety disorder. I don't want to have birthday parties. I don't want any attention on me. And this whole lifestyle where I'm just not in my authentic self and I'm just uncomfortable in my own skin, total public speaking disorder. I would turn bright red whenever anyone would put attention on me. I would never raise my hand in class unless I knew I was absolutely correct because I couldn't bear with being wrong. And that was kind of the life I was living throughout all of middle school, high school, college, even coming into my corporate career. And it was totally holding me back. And then once I went inward and essentially reprogrammed these different limiting beliefs, because our minds are totally malleable, like that's what people don't realize is people get stuck in these patterns without realizing you can go into your mind and essentially create new neural pathways, the ones you want. Oh, wow. So what did that look like forming neural pathways? I remember in April of 2020, so like a month and a half after doing this daily, I turned to my mother and was like, mom, and keep in mind, Miss Excel didn't start until June of 2020. So it wasn't even a thought in my mind. I'm like in my childhood bedroom doing some like meditation stuff. I come out of my room and I'm like, mom, I'm going to be rich and famous soon. So I need you to prepare your nervous system for that. And she's cracking up. She's like, I'd leave you go clean your room. Let's stay in reality. You know, like, and I was like, okay. And then the second I got on TikTok by video four, it started blowing up video six. I had a side hustle three weeks later, went viral. Like the whole thing moved (laughs) so fast because energetically I was already 10 steps ahead. And that's how I operate now. Like I already know I own a billion dollar business in the future and I'm just riding through time to get there. And then all these pieces keep falling into place to get me toward that goal. Nice. I like that. I think that that's that's a a different from the norm way to think Mm -hmm. about business. But I think that is could definitely be helpful to a lot of folks because I've had an audience and I've got a ton of flack for being like different from a normal business person. 
so I'm really curious, like obviously for me personally, but for I think other people would like to hear this too. It's like, how do you then show up knowing that there is going to be that negativity? And then how do you deal with it? That's different than just like crying in a ball on the floor. (laughs) (laughs) Or that could be okay too, right? Absolutely. (laughs) So this is a really good analogy that Ashley Hanawacker, one of my business coaches had given me. And if I was like, Paul, you're a blue elephant. Would you be like, oh, I'm so insulted. Like, I'm going to go home and cry. Or would you be like, okay, crazy lady. Like, <laughs> I'm going to go back over here now, you know? And it doesn't hit. It doesn't actually insult you because you are so far removed from that potential as your current reality, right? Yeah. However, if I told you something that actually stung and it actually hit, that's where you know where the inner work can be done. I use that as essentially a roadmap. So before I got started on social media, I got myself to a place where I'm like, I know who I am. I know what I'm about. I know why I'm here and what I'm here to do. And I know it's worth it. So when I have people like Joe Schmo being like, stop dancing on TikTok, I'm like, okay, Joe, you know, where I'm not like, oh, Joe doesn't like my dancing, you know, because it doesn't hit anymore. I'm like, I know that dancing works in my content and I go viral all the time. I like that. I think that that makes a lot of sense because a lot of times when people say mean things, it's like, you know, it's not true. You're not a blue elephant. I like that. I'm going <laughs> to, I don't remember that. I'm not a blue elephant. Yeah. So I know people are going to be curious. Is there any one text or something that you've read that was super inspiring that put you on this path? Do you have any recommendations when you talk about inner work? Oh, I do. I do. So the book that I read that essentially got my conscious mind on board with all this, Breaking the Habit of Being Yourself by Dr. Joe Dispenza. And he essentially breaks down the science behind how the law of attraction works and how quantum physics works and energy. And that book, I think I only had read the first hundred pages, changed my life because it got my conscious mind on board. Without that, it would have been just more of like, okay, that's all a little woo-woo, you know? But for me, like, uh, I'm an Excel gal. I needed a little conscious reading here and just to get my mind on board. So that for me, that book changed my life. I also did the structured kind of mental reprogramming I was talking about. I did Lacey Phillips has a program called To Be Magnetic. And that is a more structured way to go through the inner child work, the shadow work, essentially reprogramming. And she kind of takes you through step-by-step. So that's the program I use. There's tons of different ones out there, but that one worked really well for me. And then also the Kundalini yoga. So that was kind of like my trifecta. I would also doing Kundalini yoga to keep energy moving and aligning. Like I have little techniques I do. For example, if I get triggered by something, there's something called fists of anger. And it's like a meditation that you do. And within five minutes, I come out of my room and I am zen as hell. So really just finding techniques and things that work for you to de-escalate any situations. Because life's always going to happen. There's always going to be, you know ups and downs, but really being able to sit in those downs and find tools to get yourself back up into your highest alignment instead of staying in darker places for extended periods of time if we don't have to. Do you have any boundaries with social media that are that are there on purpose? Like, do you have things like, okay, I'm not going to post this or my Miss Excel personality is just going to be the thing that I show up with in public? 
I mean, it really just ties to my authentic self. So like, if I feel like posting something, I post it. If I don't, I don't. I really just kind of do that what feels right. Cause that essentially overrides any algorithm is your energy and the feeling behind it. So if you post things that feel like, uh, when you go to post and you're like, er, I don't know if this is a good idea or I don't want to do this. Uh, that energy goes through the phone. It goes to the recipient. It's essentially all social media is, is energy transmissions. And you see the video and it makes you feel some type of way. And I'm just trying to make the world smile out there. So I do work on me to show up as the best version. I've heard you say in in previous interviews that content is just energy transmission. I hear that and I'm like, that makes more sense than anything else I've heard in regards to like how content is described from from social media. So I I really like that. I think that that's a really smart way to to think about it. Mm-hmm. I, as far as I know, you're not a brand ambassador for a whole bunch of products, right? Like you show up and you promote your stuff. So was there a, a conscious effort there? Like, do you think about monetizing your audience directly? Like, can you kind of dive into that? I'm really curious about this. Yeah. I mean, I've tested out and I've done some different partnerships with a few different companies, but really my audience wants my Excel courses. And honestly, it works out better for me because you get a hundred percent of the revenue there versus, you know, 15%, you know? So for me, it made more sense. Like I'm fully capable of building a business, building courses, growing things. That's what I love to do. So I'm like, why not create my own product and just build it into my brand and truly build it into a business? Yeah, I mean that makes that that's where I landed with doing stuff too. So I I get it. I guess I'm curious. Like I know what it takes to make a course, and it's like writing and videos and production and editing and like there's a and marketing. Like there's a lot of things. So how did you figure out the skills you wanted to hone versus the things you were like I can just pay another person to maybe do these things. So right now I have one virtual assistant who does some of my Instagram static posts, but. Every piece of video content, I edit myself. Every course I write myself, I film every single video and I video edit every single video. I market everything. I sell everything. And it's funny because it's really, it wasn't stuff I was born knowing. It's we're in the Aquarian age. There's information at our fingertips everywhere. If I want to learn something, I just look it up. So that's kind of how I got started. And I just kind of stayed scrappy with it. And I didn't know how to video edit. I just had a vision an Excel screen above my head and was like, I'm going to figure out how to get that thing up there. And I sat and I taught myself how to video edit. And then I just kind of ran with it. So it's really just like, that's a big part of the limiting beliefs. A lot of people have going into spaces where they're like, I don't know how to video edit. I have to outsource this. I have to outsource that. When you're getting started, you might not have a lot of revenue behind you. Like my business, it was like, I think maybe 500 bucks a month in overhead for everything I did. And the whole thing obviously scaled to much more than that. So like really just getting it to a place where you're comfortable and you just believe in you. Like that's what I was telling people when I first started the business, people were like, you're doing hundred hour weeks. Cause at this point I still had a full-time day job. I had a side hustle that was pulling in money, doing training videos for an IT company that happened a few days into TikTok. And I was still making this Excel content but I was so lit up and excited because it was just fully aligned for me. But people are like, why are you doing like up in your room at 11 o'clock at night recording yourself? And I was like, if you knew with 100% certainty, if you did X, Y, Z, you could have the life you always dreamed of, would you do it or would you sit there? And I just became so dang sure that I 
trusted myself to get to my vision and I knew nothing was going to stop me. And I'll just Google things, figure things out. And I just kind of hopped on that train and everything just flew into place. Hey, I wanted to pause for a quick break. If you're enjoying this season of Call Paul, you'll love a small business story from our friends at Courier, a magazine about working better and living smarter. Sarah Nguyen was once a successful freelance filmmaker, and yet her passion on the side was her small coffee brand, Nguyen Coffee Supply. But it was a total hustle to get the company, America's first specialty Vietnamese coffee importer, roaster, and distributor, off the ground. Rather than take on more film jobs to pay herself and grow the brand as a side project at a slower rate, Sarah decided to fundraise and go full-time with the business. She raised a small friends and family round in October 2019, bid her film career goodbye, and made the jump. For the full story, head to couriermedia.com. And if you want more stories like this, you can sign up for their weekly newsletter at couriermedia.com slash email. What about data and data visualization appeals to you? Like, is there, I guess, is it that you did that sort of thing and it blew up and like, that's what you wanted to focus on? Or you're like, no, this is like, I want to be Excel. I want to be data. (laughs) So I remember my MBA program was completely based in Excel. So that's where I really ended up getting sucked into it. I was told to drop the major by my professor because I was going to fail because I didn't have the prereqs. And I was like, I'll just work harder than everybody else. And I want to stay in this. I want to stick with data. And I ended up falling in love with it in the process. It was so funny because he ended up telling us that if you played The Sims and games like that when you were younger, there's a high probability you're going to like Excel because it's all simulations. And Excel is like building models and simulations. And I was such a Sims junkie as a child. I was like, such an introvert, like always just in my room, like playing the Sims because I had so much anxiety and things going on that like the Sims was my own little world. I can control everything, build everything, create things. And that I think was what kind of sparked that initial love of Excel. And then MBA program fell in love with it. I also love teaching. I was an education minor, studied education, always wanted to be a teacher ended up in the MBA route instead. But this was kind of my way of being like, whoa, I'm also really good at this. I really like it. And people want to learn that. So I can also teach that. And then that's where when I got started in corporate within the first year there, I was just (laughs) conjuring up my little courses in the corner and a managing director looked over my shoulder and was like, what are you doing? We got to show that to somebody. And next thing you know, they had me flying around the U.S. hosting Excel trainings for four and a half years. And that was kind of my little side hustle at the day job. Nice. I don't know. I don't know why um, <laughs> professors are, think like that. Like I ha- it's funny because like you tell that story and I'm like, my professor, when I dropped out of um, comp sci, he was like, well, your three things are going to happen. You're going to be sorry that you dropped out. You're going to be older when you come back. And you're going to wish you had never done that in wow. the first place. I'm like, Whoa. <laughs> That's a lot. I haven't, I didn't actually go back to school. I stayed as a, I stayed as a dropout and that was like 20 odd years ago. So none of those things happened, but yeah. it's still, it stuck <laughs> with me. And I'm like, no, this is like, I'm going to, I'm going to, he's not going to be right. Yeah. How much of your content is determined by how well previous things do, or is it just a blank slate? You feel what you need to make and then 
you make it. Yeah. It's fully intuition on all this stuff. Every business decision. Okay. Cause that's not how most people yeah, do it. Right? No, I kind of break the mold <laughs> with a lot of this stuff. Like I really don't track much. It's so funny. I'm having a new website built out right now. And they're like, you haven't been tracking any of this. I'm like, Nope. I just intuitively know like what to create, what to do, what will go viral, what decisions to make, what feels like a yes, what feels like a no. And really just tapping into that. Like instead of working on my business, I usually work on me and that just like translates into the business, but I just get into a creative flow state. And that's where those super creative, like viral ideas come through. And then I like run to my computer and make them and execute. Obviously I don't stay in a flowy, flowy state all the time, but really it's, yeah, it's, it's been intuition driven thus far and it's gotten me pretty, pretty far with it. So I'm going to keep riding it out. We are adding in a little more data though, as I have, you know, the new website built out and everything. I I shall receive some data, which, you know, data junkie, I would like to see, but really everything's been kind of like just flowing with it, listening to my audience. I think that that, that probably makes it more interesting to folks too. Cause I feel like a lot of folks who do well on social become derivative because they plan based on what they've seen works in the past. So they just keep doing more and more of that exact same thing. And then I think it reaches a point where it's like, okay, well, I I liked it the first 20 times, but that seems a lot more interesting for the long term to kind of do it that way. For me, getting into a creative flow state is leaving space. So many people don't leave the space to be creative. You can pop out of a meeting and they'll put, you know, 30 minutes on your calendar to brainstorm. If you just came off a bunch of other like high energy intense meetings, you're not in a creative flowy state with the parasympathetic nervous system coming forward and just being in a place where you can channel in different ideas. You're much more in like a rigid framework. Why not grow your business bigger? Like you're doing amazing. You're succeeding. Like, why is it just you and your virtual assistant? I have a new virtual assistant coming in. I hired my mother and my boyfriend recently, but the whole thing just scales effortlessly. Like I work maybe 15 hours a week. So it's not like I'm sitting here like, oh, I need more hours. Like there's all this stuff I can't do. I just got really good at managing and growing. And I'm working on so many different projects with so many different companies and partner with Microsoft, I have LinkedIn things coming out. Like, it's just like a lot of different partnerships, but I usually wait until I feel like that push where I'm like, okay, like this is kind of, and that's why I started hiring my first, um, well, it's a second like virtual assistant who's going to be more so in my emails. So that was the first time in the whole business where I started feeling a little like, okay, I'm getting upwards of a hundred emails a day now. Like need a little help here. Like I, I do all the customer service myself. Like everything has been me. I think it's also smart to start things small, right? Like you, when you started, you said it was like $500 or something like it's, it's a good place to test because the stakes aren't so high where it's stressful. Even for my business, like we only hire when it's too painful not to hire. And like that, and sometimes it's been painful for a little while and then we hire a bit later, (laughs) but yeah, I get that. I think that makes sense. Do you like, I guess, check in with yourself uh, as far as like the success is going to say like, okay, well, this is enough or like, these are things I don't want to do based on just the vision I have for the business in the future. Yeah. I mean, the vision changes all the time. 
Because it's really, I can't, I could not have predicted I would be sitting here with you right now. Like could not have predicted. Like this whole thing has happened over the last like 18 months. It's scaled to a seven figure business. Every single day I have like crazy things in my inbox. I could totally shift trajectories, totally shift what I'm doing. And it really comes down to like going inward and navigating. Like, does this feel like a hell yes? If not, it's a no. And that's kind of how I've been like navigating these different opportunities and growth. Like there's just so many different areas this can go into. So it's been just kind of like feeling out the different opportunities and kind of seeing what feels good. Yeah, I think it's hard, it's hard sometimes because it feels it feels like you're limiting yourself if you say no to things. But I think it's the opposite. I think it's if you say no to the things that aren't resonating, then you leave yourself open to be able to say yes to the things that are going to be, like you said, a hell yes. Because yeah. otherwise, you're just going to be too busy when the hell yes is coming along. And you're like, oh, I wish I could do that. But it's like, oh, I don't actually have time for that. Yeah. So where it stands right now, and obviously this could change in a minute or an hour or a day, like what's the long-term vision? You said you want to, you want to grow Miss Excel into a billion-dollar business. What does that business look like? Really, Q1 is where I've been like structuring, restructuring, getting this into a well-oiled machine. And then there's a lot of strategic partnerships happening right now where things are going to dramatically scale in that area. And then I also am super passionate about teaching essentially what we're talking about today. So talking about growing a business, entrepreneurship, learning through entrepreneurship where it doesn't have to be hard and like being able to feel into that. Like I've had the best time growing my business. I've I don't think I've ever cried about Miss Excel in the entire year and a half. I've cried about other things, but like I have not cried because of Miss Excel. Like this entire thing has been just so fun, such a creative expression for me and trying to show people how it doesn't have to be hard if we get into energetic alignment first. So then you're showing up as your authentic self before you get there and how that can eliminate a lot of the things because my whole business has been inbound leads. Like the entire thing, I've not reached out to a single press outlet, but I've been like Forbes, entrepreneurs, NBC, like all the things. And then I really, I haven't reached out for any big corporate clients, any customers. It's really everything just kind of aligns to me when my nervous system can handle it. So just learning how to do work on myself, get aligned with my purpose, get aligned with what lights me up and teaching that. So probably Q2, Q3, I'll start whipping out courses in those areas. I just love creating courses too. So it's, it's like my art. It's like my baby. Every time I make a course, I'm just like, oh, it's so cool. So a lot of people want the viralness, right, uh, on social. And I think a lot a lot of people teach like oh if you do this you can like go viral on social media what do you think people are doing wrong like what do you think that people aren't understanding about this a lot of it isn't quantitative like that's our people are just like i post every day at 2 p.m what's happening here but if, if, if the content isn't aligned, like there's so many like little things that I see where it's like the words are cut off, like the sound is off, like when you're mouthing the words, like little things like that will automatically just make things not go viral. But if your content, just getting your content squeaky clean, lined up perfectly, but really just creating something you're proud of, creating something where you feel no energetic resistance, something where you're not like, oh, no one's going to like it. Someone's going to say this about it. I look like this in it. Like if there's any of that attached to the video, that is where it could just tank it right off the bat. 
So really getting yourself to a place where you're so confident and comfortable and feeling great about what you're creating and then going into it with that energy because the energy overrides the algorithm. So I break all the rules if you look at my stuff and I still go viral every month, every other month between TikTok, Instagram, the press, and I don't post much. You'll look, I post maybe like once or twice a week. And then when I roll up and I'm ready to go, it'll go viral. And it's just like, I don't have to be like a slave to my phone and be like, Oh, I didn't post today. Like, Oh, like I have none of that. I just go in with the abundance mindset, everything, just a deep knowing that if I'm meant to do this and this is meant to be here, it will be. And just trusting the universe in that way. I think that that work is harder though. The the inner work. Yeah. It's like, if you had the same pencil that Stephen King uses, you're not going to write like Stephen King. Like if you just copy the tools, but that seems to like, that's easier, right? Like people asking me what software I use to write mm-hmm. in. It's like, who cares? It's like, whatever's, whatever's there. Yeah. Cause that, I think, cause that is, that to some people is easier because I think people, I don't know if they're afraid to do the hard work, but I think it's just, it's, it's hard work. Like thinking about yourself and going inwards on yourself is, is difficult. It can be fun and liberating though. Like I've never been truly happy until I did this. I've been a shell and I've been happy in moments, but I was never wake up in the morning and truly so happy to be alive. And that translate, it goes generations forward and back. Like my parents have been so much, like it just kind of goes in all directions. So do you feel then that the mindset you've used to grow so much personally applies to your business as well? Absolutely. I mean, I think a growth mindset is absolutely key, not only for your business and having to keep things based on the industries you're working in, based on the corporate climate, continually growing, but also yourself. Like so many people don't realize you don't have to be fixed in your current neurological patterns. And like over 90% of what you do is completely run by your subconscious mind. And that's by patterns we have built in there. We are 99% of the time on autopilot. So really being able to realize that we can go in and work with the mind, it's completely malleable and keep in that growth mindset and just keep growing and shedding versions of ourselves is really important because we all have the highest version of ourselves. It's just like, are we willing to get there in this lifetime? What strikes me the most about Kat is that she really understands and is able to clearly convey how much internal work is required to, you might say, excel at being an entrepreneur. A lot of barriers we face as business owners can be internal, like our own limiting self-beliefs or not trusting in ourselves, and that can harm our work, sometimes before it even gets off the ground. So who knew that spreadsheets could be fun. Miss Excel is a great example of a business where the owner cat has the pragmatic smarts to run her business well, but also the intuition and belief to know that doing things differently can be a very, very good thing. In fact, sometimes running a business in a way that only you could, like dancing and math formulas can be exactly what leads to lasting success.
Next week, I'm chatting with a small business owner who runs a zero-waste, lady-owned, full-service garment factory in Portland. I hope you'll join us. Call Paul is a MailChimp original podcast. The show is made possible with the help of the whole amazing team, Julie Douglas, Ruth Eddy, Sasha Brown, Tierra Darnell, Kaida Jesus, and Zoe Culkin. Subscribe now on your favorite podcast player so you can check out all of our other episodes and seasons. Oh, and if you want more awesome podcasts, go to MailChimp.com slash presents. Mm-hmm.